I think there's a Chinese proverb that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, but there's an American version that's, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a leaky tire and a broken fan belt. And our journey of a thousand miles began with a completely bone-dry, empty fucking tank of gas in our scooter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody just walks on the road, <laughs> which is pretty funny because there's a lot of sidewalk real estate, to be honest. Just eating your chocolate sauce with a spoon. <laughs> that's advanced. The girl knows how to enjoy life, that's for sure. The girl knows how to enjoy life. This is our third stay in Hanoi, technically. Yeah. 
I just finished walking all around the block. A couple blocks, actually, I covered trying to find a pastry to go with our coffees because Cafe Ling only serves coffee. They don't serve anything to eat. And I found these amazing little crepes. Yeah, so we got into Hanoi on October 19th. It's now October 29th, I think, our time. It's 28th Pacific. Oh, yeah. Yep, you're right. The first time we got here on the 19th, we stayed for, what, like a day? Oh. Just a night? Just a night, yeah. And then we took... A sleeper bus to Banziok Waterfall, well, to Kaobang in the north, and then Banziok, which is right on the border with China's Yunnan province. Where I'm from. Which is where Justice family's from. Kind of like Niagara Falls, shared between Canada and the U.S. And it's a massive and majestic, beautiful waterfall. We recorded our last episode on the sleeper bus on the way there with, like, iPhones and a crazy journey. Let me slow down. So we took the sleeper bus to Kaobang, which was... A fairly remote town, way up in the north. I think that Chris and I both thought that it would be sort of like a village that we were coming into, and that yeah, like bamboo huts. I mean, yeah, that's that indicates our complete lack of awareness and ignorance. But it wasn't. It was like the size of Old Town. Yeah, basically, it was like the size of just Old Town, Hanoi. We arrived in the night after six hours on the sleeper bus. We had stopped and got some pretty good lunch at like this little roadside cafe. The whole bus stopped and it was like stewed pork, I want to say, and soup and noodles. And it was pretty fucking good. But then by the time we rolled into Kaobang at like 7 p.m., our stomachs were rolling and we had so much motion sickness from this giant bus like stopping and starting on these mountain corners and like jamming on the brakes and honking for cars to get out of the way that bus gave zero fucks the whole yeah. way to Kaobang like god help you if you were in the road and we were both completely nauseous by the time we arrived and I don't know if it was lunch or if it was the turns it was a lot we get off the bus and we don't really know exactly where we're going yeah the person who arranged our transport was like oh the bus will drop you off right in front of your homestay so we gave her the address and everything so that she had the information and it seemed like she was going to relay that information to the bus driver the bus driver didn't fucking know anything about where we were, where staying. We were staying so they basically took us as far like, as they could dropped us off and we're like is this where we're supposed to be and he's just like no 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 you take the scooter and there's like take a the group bike. of like six people there all like shouting for our business basically and like our attention shouting dollar figures at us or dong figures i suppose yeah I've, I've been waiting for the right time to bring this up but where's the dong the dong the yeah. Dong. Yeah, yeah, yeah the dong the dong and we're trying to weed out like which of these folks are the ones we're supposed to go with. There's obviously two of us and we have these giant backpacks. So this guy's like, come with me, come with me. And I was like, okay, I think I trust that guy. But I'm like, but there's two of us. And he's like, yeah, 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 we'll go, we'll go. I'm like, no, 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 there's two of us. Like, with how, giant backpacks, we, we gonna... can't fit on yeah. your scooter. So we coordinated with a second person. I'm like, like pointing at Jess on the back of this one bike. Like, we're following them. We're going to go with them, right? Like, yeah. Dude, I, I'm pretty sure it was completely shit-faced. The guy that Chris... The guy that I hopped on yeah. with. He was, like, just a little loose. And as we were ripping down the road, like, following Jess's bike, every time he would talk, I could, like, smell... He, he smelled boozy. And then when we went to give him money, he was, like, pulling change out of his wallet. He dropped it on the floor. I'm like, man, my guy was totally drunk. Not to mention, when we got dropped off, it was, like, pissing rain. So... They were all in their nice little rain jackets, like covering up their bodies. 
we had our little tiny jackets on, which was great, but yeah, we, had, like, we didn't have our jackets. hoods up, or at least I didn't have my hood up. So the entire time on the scooter, which ended up only being like a five minute scooter ride, I was trying to maneuver my hood from underneath my backpack, which is on my back. And instead, I was just like collecting rain, like on my backpack, on my head. And at some point, I was just like, fuck it. Like, I'm not going to get my hood from underneath my giant backpack. So I just embraced it, got absolutely drenched. But while I was fiddling around, I recognized that Chris has never really been a scooter passenger. And I have. So, you know, my both my arms are free. I'm moving around. I'm trying to maneuver things. I'm not holding onto the guy. I'm not holding onto the scooter. Just basically just like going with the flow of the scooter. And I look over and Chris has got like two two death grips on this guy's shoulders (laughs) just like just like flinching at like every little move he makes because yeah chris has never had to be a passenger (laughs) it's really funny jess has spent yeah a good like five weeks by now being a scooter passenger yeah through all kinds of conditions exactly so i was like very comfortable with like any turns that he made or any sudden stop start motions (laughs) <laughs> Chris's death grip on that guy's shoulder made me laugh so hard. But we got it figured, and we went to our <laughs> land's homestay and settled in for the night. Like we had such good days in Kabang. I'm glad yeah. we're recording this now, but I want to cover it all, like because that was really our first experience in Vietnam. Like we only stayed the night in Hanoi and then got on a bus right away the next day. Like we had barely done anything except we found this amazing little noodle spot, full place in Hanoi. But anyway, I digress. So in the morning in Cao Bang, we're like, okay, we're here. We're in this remote town in northern Vietnam. It's like there's a river that goes all the way around the town. It was super beautiful and picturesque, kind of misty in the air. And there's these old buildings on the opposite riverbank. And we're looking for a cup of coffee. There's tons of little coffee shops, but this is not a tourist town. Like, one, nobody speaks English. Two, none of the signs are in English. And three, they're not interested to try. So we're like Google translating all of our shit and like trying to figure out where to get our coffee from and how much we should pay for it. Eventually we settled for this little cafe. One of the like Carnival Barker baristas eventually got my attention and was yeah, like, coffee, coffee. look for coffee. And yeah. I was like, Chris is like, I am. Yeah. Yes. How did you know, yeah. sir? Okay. You got me. You got me. My Achilles heel knowing what I want. <laughs> Everyone in Vietnam, they've got like these tiny Fisher price plastic seats. They're like knee high plastic stools, flimsy-ass little lawn furniture for toddlers, and that's what you sit on at all the little cafe tables. So we sat on a couple of those right beside the river on the promenade, facing out these beautiful pastel buildings, and had my first Vietnamese coffee, and I was like, egg coffee, egg coffee, because I'd heard that that's a thing here. Yeah, and they were like, no. Yeah, they were just like, no, that's not, no. No, we don't make that. Yeah, so instead, what they do make everywhere like by default is basically if you've ever had a nescafe iced coffee in a can it's like a sweet cold latte in a can that's exactly what it tastes like yeah and, Vietnamese iced coffee. but they make it from scratch and that's like the default coffee i never told you this jess but i started drinking those when i was like 11 when i was a little kid and i thought it was the, the most delicious thing a little bit of trivia a little bit of trivia are you gonna ask me about that later yeah, there's going to be a quiz later. You can't see Jess's face, but it's all scrunched up in a silent laugh. Like, like the really, like, 
trip to the northern border and back. Yeah, and we were very confident with our planning when we made this in Croatia. I don't know, I can't remember. No, no, it must have been in Bali. It must have been in Bali. Well, we were very confident with our coordinating skills and our planning skills, but after that grueling ride on the sleeper bus, we decided to stay well, an extra night in Kabang. And it was raining. And that it was, was raining. Thing. It was yeah. like pissing rain the next day. And the following day after that, it was going to be sunny. So we were yeah. like... Yeah, let's not go to Bandrock Waterfall on the day that it's pissing rain. Because we have to get there ourselves. And the roads, we don't know what the conditions are. Originally, we weren't sure if we were going to drive scooters or if we were going to take transport. Yeah, that's true. But then, like, managing it ourselves seemed so doable. And we'd had so much bike experience that we were like... Sorry, continue. I'm just providing commentary. I forget where I'm at. We decided to stay the extra day. So we went and talked to Lan, who is like the owner of the homestay, which is really just fancy talk for a privately run hotel with little suites. I think homestays used to be like a room in a family home, and now it's basically just private hotel rooms. Yeah, it's kind of like a tiny apart hotel. But we asked Lan, like, hey, can we stay an extra night, actually? Like, it's going to rain tomorrow, so we might go to Manziok the next day. And she's like, no, 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 it's, it's not, not going to rain. It's not going to rain tomorrow. And we're like, oh, oh okay, then. Okay, I'm... we checked the weather, but, you know, that's fine. Maybe <laughs> you live here, maybe yeah. we don't know. Yeah, we don't know any better, so uh-huh. uh, why don't we not rent the scooter from you right now? We'll take a look at the weather tomorrow, and we'll get in touch. <laughs> so, because she was fully booked that yeah. following night, too. So, I think that was her, like, effort at diplomacy. Hey, can we stay an extra night? Uh, no, you can't. But you shouldn't anyway. You should yeah. just go home after You should this. just go home. Yeah. <laughs> so, we booked a different accommodation for our last night so that we could stay the extra day. We spent a day wandering around in the rain trying to enjoy the city. And- we had lunch at this pho place. Um, it was our second pho. In Vietnam, it was pretty good. There was this like fermented bamboo paste that you put into your pho. That was really delicious. I feel like that's probably what made me sick. I don't know. <laughs> it was really delicious. That's probably what made me sick. <laughs> but we'll get to that. After we walked around and had some pho, we went back to the apartment, relaxed, decompressed for the first time since the two-hour drive from Batabulan to the airport, and then the flight, and then the one-hour drive from the airport to Hanoi, and then our yeah, drive to Kaobang. Like, going from Bali to northern Vietnam was... A fucking doozy. <laughs> yeah, it was like a two-day ordeal. Yeah. So we finally decompressed a little bit, and then that night, that's when we had the uh, Oh. Where we had our very first bang mi experience, deconstructed bang mi experience. Oh yeah, it was so interesting. It was actually like the bang mi was like a hot plate full of stew that would be like what you would usually have inside a bang mi when you order it. And then just like a little baguette. And I was like, do I break open the baguette and put this stuff inside? Which is what I did, but I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> 
don't know. We ate it. It was delicious. And then Chris had uh, Vietnamese fried chicken. Which was not as good as Balinese fried chicken. I feel like we could do an Anthony Bourdain all around the world, but just with fried chicken. Yeah. Suggest do fried chicken. Chris suggest do fried chicken. We are kind of like fried chicken connoisseurs, though. Yeah, except all the best fried chicken that we like is all the same recipe in different places. It's just like that southern style, like U.S. fried chicken. But the one that we had in Kalbang was actually like panko bread in. It was okay. That's actually something that I've noticed in Vietnam. Like even on the boat, all of the food here is not very salty. Like there's no yeah. there's no real like salt flavor. No, it's just the natural flavor. It's very much like seasoned to your taste. So I really appreciate that. We're coming back to Kalbang. Mm. After our full day, the next morning we got up bright and early and we did rent a scooter from Lan, which was three times the price as the one in Bali. In Bali, scooters were $5 a day, Canadian everywhere. And here it was 15 which, you know, feels like a lot just because we had come from Bali, but really it's not. And gas is super cheap. Um, so we set out on our full day excursion from the city of Kaobang, straight north, the border between Vietnam and China, which was like two hours on the map, according to... Google Maps. Yeah. It was actually so fucking beautiful. It was probably one of the coolest drives we've ever done. It was the most beautiful transportation, the most beautiful trip that we've taken in this whole journey. Driving the scooter in Vietnam was actually not that bad after coming from Bali. They drive on the right side of the road. It was a similar style scooter they have. And navigating the roundabouts and stuff was pretty easy. Jess is a pretty deft navigator now on the back and like between us we're a pretty tight unit yeah so going around the roundabouts (laughs) going around the roundabouts getting out of town no problem get down the road a piece following this like beautiful river it's like a winding mountain road it was so lush and the the mountains were so cool and then i'm like driving down the road distracted by the amazing terrain and then all of a sudden you look down and you're like the speedometer's broken i don't know how fast we're going because it was stuck at zero (laughs) and i was like and then well, I was if like, the but, speedometer's broken, then like that's no good. And, and Chris was like, "Well, now I know how to gauge the the speed based, the speed on, based on how much wind is yeah, in my ears, how loud the wind is in my ears." Because when we drove in Bali, I always had a backpack on my front, so I couldn't see the speedometer. Yeah. So like and, over sixty kilometers an hour, the wind in your ear gets so loud that you can't hear anything, and that's how I know that I'm at sixty. <laughs> and so when we were looking down, all of a sudden, the both of us were like. Would the gas meter also be the same? Because it's, it's also like, at zero. Yeah, it's, it looks like it's not empty. And while we were driving, we were trying to like figure out what was happening. Like, it should be fine. I, yeah, Chris is like, why would they give us like an empty scooter? Because we just came from Made's place where like, she gave us like this beautiful scooter with a full tank of gas, like over full, you know? And we're like, nah, they couldn't give us an empty scooter knowing that we're going to Banjuk. Yeah, I was like, was it empty when we first turned it on? I think it was. I think it was on even when we first turned it, it on. So it must funny. just be broken. We were just like, it was on one side. I just don't know which one. If it was one. full or empty. Yeah. I think there's a Chinese proverb that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. But there's an American version that's, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a leaky tire and a broken fan belt. And our journey of a thousand miles began with a completely bone dry, empty fucking tank of gas in our scooter. (laughs) And we were panicking. We were like, fuck. And just checked the Google Maps. It was like, the next gas station is 100 kilometers in front of us. Like, should we turn around? Like, we'd already come pretty far. And like, I was like, let's keep going a little bit. 
and see if we could find a gas station. <laughs> there was one right around the corner. Thank yeah. God, but Thank it was like goodness. a little yeah, micro panic. And we filled it up, and sure enough, it was completely empty. But it was yeah. only like six liters that the the thing held. It was such a small tank. Yeah. Anyway. But once we filled it up, it took us all the way. Yeah, it took Ooh. us all the way there. Yeah. It's only a two-hour trip, so it should. But the terrain up there is the most beautiful I think I've ever seen in my life. Just. It's like lush I, valleys and mountains and hills. And I couldn't believe the greenery. Like yeah. It just, it looked like giant moss. At the time, I was like, oh, I should take a video of all this. And I was like, no, nah, we just got to Vietnam. I'm sure it all looks like this. Like, this is just how it's going to be from now on. But like, no, it was a once-in-a-lifetime beauty. It was so amazing. So we spent our two hours bobbing and weaving and learned that the traffic operates a little differently in Vietnam than it does in Indonesia, that's for certain. Like, in Indonesia, it's packed shoulder to shoulder all the way across the road, but everybody's making room for everybody else. It's like everybody's still defensive driving, even though the road is packed shoulder to shoulder. And in Vietnam, it's like survival of the biggest. Like, it doesn't matter what side of the fucking road I'm on. If I'm bigger than you, you get out of my way. Yeah. And <laughs> if I'm faster than you, you move first, though. Yeah. Like, so, so we're on our side of the road, way over, like, near the shoulder on oh, yeah. our side of the road, and there's this giant, looked like a fucking dump truck, passing, facing us. Okay, I'm down the road, so there's two cars. Filled with soldiers. Was it? Yeah. It was, like, a, one of those military trucks? Yeah. yeah. they don't stop for shit. No. So there's giant fucking truck in our lane, facing us, like, the size of a bus. And I'm like, oh, no problem. Like, it's got enough room, you know, it's far enough away that it's going to be able to get back into its lane by the time it gets to us. I slow down a bit, you know, let my hand off the accelerator, but I'm not too worried about it. But this thing continues to barrel straight fucking at us. And I'm already on the white line on my side of the road, like, on the shoulder. Yeah, like, and I had to swerve at the last minute off the road Onto the fucking, the rocky ass dirt between the road and the ditch. Which only left you a foot to swerve onto because right beside that were like thatch houses. Yeah. Like huts. Yeah, it was like, (laughs) yeah, in grass and a ditch. And and it happened so fast. I was just like, okay, this thing's not moving. Okay, now I need to move. And I went off the road, onto the rocks, and then like back onto the road after it had, and like, it happened really quickly, and I had slowed down a bit, which is good because if you slam on the brakes on dirt or on rocks, it's a bad time on yeah. a bike. So, like, I was able to coast through it and back on the road, and Jess was, like, shell-shocked. Like, I just saw my best friend's arm get blown off. Like, that was her energy coming back onto the highway, and she was shook. Um, but we lived through it. I'm gonna say it, and I had pretty good reflexes, and we survived, and it was good. And uh, we learned a valuable lesson. Doesn't matter what side of the road you're on. If the guy facing you is bigger than you, you uh, get out of the way. That's one of the things about being in the back. Like you really can't anticipate what the driver is gonna do, so you have to just like hope for the best. But I really did not know what was about to fucking happen. It's pretty intense. This is too sweet now that you put chocolate in it. Sorry. I think I might just order another black coffee and just like pour it in. Go ahead. It's very eggy. Apart from that one near-death experience, we actually, I think we navigated pretty well. Pretty comfortable on the back of the scoop. 
Except there were these giant, giant, giant butterflies. They'd be like flitting along like just really, really nicely and slowly, but because of how fast Chris was going. Well, we were driving like road speed. Like I wasn't being the speed demon. We were just going like 60 kilometers an hour. He would jolt every single time there would be a butterfly in front of his face. He'd slam his head backwards and I'd have to like move mine really fast. Otherwise it would have knocked me unconscious. Yeah, I didn't want to get hit in the face with a giant butterfly. <laughs> Those are everywhere. Yeah, they're huge. They're all different colors. They're so majestic. So we do go pretty deep into the countryside by this point. Eventually we make it to this little town that looks like the sign say Banjok Waterfall. And there's no waterfall to be seen. We're like, this, all the tour buses have pulled over. Like, we feel like we're running out of tourists. Like, where's the, where's the freaking waterfall? <laughs> so we blew a donut and went back to this building that looked like it was kind of official near the river, parked in the shade and tried to figure out where we were going. And this government official came over and was like, you need to go. Like, you can't park here. That was basically on the border with China, it turns out. We didn't really know that at the time, but you're not supposed to just like loiter on the border between Vietnam and China. They frowned on that. And I was like, okay, sorry. Uh, he did not have much of a sense of humor. He wasn't mean, but it was like, get the Serious. fuck, yeah. <laughs> get the fuck yeah. out of here. I think we, we seemed harmless enough. It was pretty neat actually being on the border with China was strange. But anyway, we followed his instructions and made it down to the actual waterfall, which was honestly like 200 meters past where we turned around. Do you want to talk about the waterfall itself? It was really big, it was really beautiful, the water was so clear, the area around it was just so lush. On one side is Vietnam and on the other side is China. And you could see that um, on the side that was China there was a pretty big mountain and they had structures built on the mountainside and like walkways so that tourists on that side could come and see from up above. But because of COVID, there were no tourists on that side. It was like completely dead and there was like a razor wire chain link fence all along the water's edge so that people couldn't cross they couldn't into cross China. Over, yeah. There were little like bamboo, no sorry like not bamboo, they were motor. like, a, yeah there were like rafts. These little boats that you could take to basically go straight up to the waterfall and get pretty close to the point where the mist from the waterfall, the spray was just like constantly in your face so you couldn't really keep your eyes open. Chris and I were just like, you know what, we're already here, like, might as well just take the little boat over. And so when we walked over, they said it was 50000 per person. Which is $3 Canadian. And we got up a private little boat, and we got to go right, right by the waterfall. Right up to the waterfall. Because there are no Chinese tourists, the water didn't have to be shared in With the middle. boats from the Chinese side. Yeah, so we <laughs> got to float over to the Chinese side, and all of a sudden, like, Chris and I realized like holy fuck like are we in china right we're here? technically in china we're technically right here definitely worth the trip i think definitely worth the trip i wouldn't say it was worth 100 percent on a super bus ride but i would do it again if somebody wanted to visit that joke and we were like already here i would probably be like yeah let's do it but i'd probably want to drive up ourselves i would do like this scooter ride from Kaobang up to Banzhou and back because that yeah. was honestly so, so remarkable. Beautiful. Yeah. But I don't know that I would do the sleeper bus again. Yeah. It's just too jerky. Like we got motion sickness both ways. Yeah. It wasn't that bad for me on the way there except for the last hour. But on the way back, man, 
no holds barred. It was a really, really sunny day, so everybody just gunned it. And I was not a happy camper on the way back. And then we had two nights in Hanoi on the way back. Was it? I think so, two or three. Like I said, it's our third stay in Hanoi, and we keep staying in the same neighborhood. So we've really gotten to know it pretty well. And our last stay was very close to the railroad cafe. Train Street. Train Street. So like there's a train that comes right through the middle of town. And there's all these cafes that border the train tracks, like right beside the tracks. So when you're sitting there, you can see the train go by. That was a pretty cool experience. I really like that. And our Airbnb had this recommendations book that had all these amazing food recommendations. It turned out like everywhere that we went in that book was pretty good. We trusted a lot. We flexed our Vietnamese a little bit, starting to develop a bit of a command of Vietnamese. Mostly just numbers up to two and thank you. <laughs> and the different types of pho that you can order, that's pretty much it. And just explored the town. There's a lake with a temple in it. I bought some flip-flops because mine finally bit the dust. Because our next destination was like this bougie uh, Halong Bay boat cruise for my birthday. What's the most striking thing so far to you about Vietnam? Like something that you just never would have imagined. I'm tr I've been doing my best not to inject too many political observations into this morning because I'm conscious that like most people just want to know about the vibe of the town and what it looks like and what it feels like. But the most striking thing to me is how present the history is. Like the Vietnam War and independence, which really only happened 50 years ago. It's just, it's very present. And the North and the South, I think, are so different. I thought there'd be a lot more French influence here, but came to learn that the North was more independent all along, and the French had a much firmer grip in the South. And the people here just aren't as friendly as they were in Bali. And I understand why, right? Like, I look like an American, and there was some serious shit that transpired here. And I don't blame the folks for not being super welcoming of people who look like me but it's just something that I I didn't expect it's like for the history to feel so present what about you you've said quite a few times that it reminds you of China a lot yeah. China, China when you were a kid growing up like the yeah. streets are bustling like the stores are busy there are all these little storefronts with spices and foods and everybody's just hanging out like so many people just hanging out on the sidewalk in front of these little businesses or little yeah homes. that reminds me a lot of China actually one thing that I have noticed is that a lot of the women here take pride in the way that they look. doesn't matter what you're doing, who you are, what your status is, like women have nice little shoes on, a pretty floral shirt, their hair is always done, like if you can put on a full face of makeup, that's what they do. There's a lot more um, pride in the women. Like when we were in Kaobang, for instance, the town was clearly not like a super rich town. Like all of the businesses are super modest and everything was pretty understated. Except the jewelry stores, which these like massive, shiny, oh, yeah. like opulent centers. It's like, okay, that's where all the money in the town is going to, clearly. It's like the jewelry stores are just unhinged. It goes to what you're saying about the like the aesthetic or like the pride of appearance and decoration. That was one thing that was really weird to me. Like everything in this place looks like it's made of brick, and the jewelry store looks like it's made of gold. <laughs> I had another thought, but I forgot it now. Sorry. 
That's okay. My thoughts not more important than yours. Well, yeah, but hopefully we can say them both. But I fucked that up. Oh, um, I remembered it. We got a lot of people telling us don't point at merchandise, don't pick up merchandise, like don't engage. Everybody's going to harass you and all that kind of stuff. Like maybe we get a little bit from the guys who want us to ride those like um, scooters. Like a tuk tuk. Yeah. But not like, motorized. Yeah, those like bike. Bike taxi. Bike taxis, yeah. Which are everywhere in Hanoi. Or at least everywhere in Old Town. But honestly, I haven't gotten the vibe that people are trying to compete for our business, you know? A lot of the times you walk by the stores and even when you like look at things, point at things, like ask them how much it is, like, we had a lot of people being like, don't touch it, they're just going to bang it up for you and force you to pay for it. And that hasn't happened. Who said all. that to you? Like your mom mostly? No. Like the men and women from my nail salon who are Vietnamese. Uh, maybe it's more like that in the South. Maybe. Very possible. But so far, I haven't had that experience. When I was walking around yesterday without you, yeah. I got harassed more. Really? Yeah. This is actually kind of a funny story and a bit of a cautionary tale so we totally got ripped off at the airport because i bought a sim card that was like unlimited data for it was like three hundred thousand dong which turns out was half the price of the one in vietel for the same plan so that explains it but anyway like legit sim card place inside the airport with a full office kiosk and everything set up and we went and got our sim card and then two days ago my data stopped working and I asked somebody who is Vietnamese, like, hey, can you read these, like, texts? And he's like, oh, you need to put more money on your SIM card. It's, like, cut off. And I was like, that doesn't make sense because I bought an unlimited one. So yesterday, Jess wasn't feeling well, so I went out on my own. And I went to Vietel, which is, like, the store that is, like, the cellular provider. And I went to, like, an official Vietel store to go and ask them what's up. When I was walking to the place which was a whole journey all around fucking town because I didn't have data and I was doing it all the old-fashioned way. Just like wandering through the neighborhood and remembering the general direction that I needed to go to. But this kid was sitting on the side of the street and I was like trying to walk past traffic and there were a bunch of scooters on the sidewalk and the traffic was thick. And he was like, hey, like come this way. There was like a break in the scooters. He's like, come here and go around. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went there and went around and made the first cardinal mistake of like making contact he's like now i've helped you now like he's like oh by the way like oh look at your shoe look at your shoe and I was, you know somebody did this to us before when i actually did buy new flip-flops because my shoes were like the soles were kind of coming off so like they flapped like muppet mouths when i walked which is another story but anyway this kid was like oh look at your shoe look at your shoe and i was like i'm fine thank you and he's like no 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 it's easy it's easy look look and he like grabbed my flip-flop and like took it off my foot and was showing me, he's like, look, it's gonna come apart here. Like I'll, I'll glue it for you, like I'll help you. And I was like, no, I'm fine. And he like insisted and was like pulling it away and like trying to like get started. And I was like, no. And I fucking ripped it out of his hand. I was like, no, thank you. And then like walked away, but I was like, fuck, how did that happen? It was so fast. It's like, hey, here, walk this way. Oh, by the way, something's wrong with your foot. Oh, is there? Yeah, here, let me, let me like shoe repair you. No, no, I don't need shoe repair. Um, and I kept walking around the block, but it turns out that that was right at the Viettel office. I had to come back and like avoid his eye contact when I like came back to the store and like went in the door without him seeing me because I didn't want him to see me again. <laughs>
And then I went inside, and the dude behind the counter was like, uh, basically, you got scammed. And I was took a second to, like, get back into my rational state of, like, this is not Viettel that scammed me. This is some third-party thing. Um, but basically, they reuse SIM cards at the airport. If people leave, I guess they, like, sell their SIM card back to the SIM card place if it's not legit. And then they'll just, like, sell it again to the next tourist. But mine had, like, run out. And the guy at the Viettel store was like, look, this is the name that the SIM card's registered to. You didn't provide your passport to them when you signed up, right? And I was like, no. And he's like, yeah, like, legally you have to. So if they don't ask you for your passport, that's like a red flag. It's like, this is the name that your SIM card is registered to. This is not your name, right? It was like, Yen Fok Ni or something. I was like, I, no, that's certainly not me. Birth date 1994. No, no. He's like, yeah, I didn't think so. So I had to buy a new SIM card. $18. You got me. Got you. Yeah, so that's the cautionary tale. Even at the airport, at the legit SIM card place, go to the one with the name of the cellular provider. Don't go to the random, generic, brand SIM card place. Lessons learned. I'm really glad that we didn't let that girl call us a taxi because I didn't want to give her any more of my money. Yeah. Anyway, the point is that when I was walking around by myself, I was treated a lot more like the typical white backpacker. Interesting. Yeah. So you're a bit of a scarehoe for, like, (laughs) <laughs> Tourist traps. I like being a scarehoe. Just gonna be a scarehoe for Halloween, which is coming up. Yeah. She's got a straw hat already. Yeah, scarehoe. Well, that actually makes me feel a little bit better that I provide some value just by my presence. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like people are like, oh, he's got a guide. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's waste got some a our, guide. Waste of our time. That's really funny. He's got a guide. I don't mean it's like not my partner, but I mean, I don't mean like a, like a paid, you know, escort. No, that's not the right word. <laughs> I don't mean as a paid, I don't mean like, like a paid like, sex worker. <laughs> I don't mean like a like a servant. I mean like just somebody who gets it with him. Huh? He's got somebody with him who gets it. So oh, like, got somebody with him who gets it. I thought you meant somebody with him who gets it. I mean that also. <laughs> who gets it with him. One day he break the cage and he get this. <laughs> and then a wheel a laugh. High five. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck with it. He's got somebody who gets it with him. <laughs> Speaking of that, that, that's another thing. Like the massage barkers. Hey, hey, massage, massage, massage. Like, I feel like when I'm with you, they don't try as hard. Oh, uh, yeah. Being with you, I think, makes me a bit less of a target. It's good. Happy to provide that for you. I guess the story really does have a happy ending. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. That's it for today. Okay, so we're going to do round two Hanoi tomorrow. I'm committing to this. Okay. So join us next time when we talk about our super bougie cruise around the storied and picturesque Halong Bay, which was honestly so incredible. Anyway, we'll get into it. And my diarrhea. Yeah, and Jess's chronic diarrhea. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know why I'm having an okay time and you're just like getting worse. Woo! Yeah. Happy, happy times for me. <laughs> Diary on a boat. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you, everybody. And we will catch you next time. We don't know how to say goodbye in Vietnamese yet. Wait for it. That's how you say goodbye in Vietnamese. Tham Viet. Tham Viet. Tham Viet. Perfect. All right. Thank you, everybody. Tham Viet. Catch you soon. Tham Viet. Yes, I am home.